Station. Oh, yes, indeedy. Welcome back to another episode of the Sheep Station Dynasty podcast, joined by usual suspects here, uh, guest free pass. How are you today, mate? Yeah, feeling pretty good. Uh, it's a bit, bit dreary outside, but uh, keen to talk about a bit of bit of uh, rookies, just to forget about the weather for a bit. <laughs> yes, guest uh, feeling perky, we could call you. Are yeah. you feeling perky? Uh, I will be shortly. <laughs> Boy to 69, how are you, mate? Yeah, good things. Um, my nipples are hard too, just like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we were to go outside, they probably would be. It's yeah. freezing cold day on a summer's day here. Disappointing. I mean, but here it's we a are. nice bit of relief, isn't it, from the humidity it is. we've had. You're right. You're right. Here we are back for another episode. Chapter four. Probably move on to chapter five pretty soon, actually. When this yeah, new maybe class once of rookies we start to talk happens. about. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that later on. Um, boys, first week of playoffs. Job done. A few blowouts, a few close ones, a few disappointing results for the Cardinals fans. <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling? I turned it off at halftime. <laughs> Won't lie to you. Yeah, tough but fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I was keeping track. I can't remember what had ended up at the first half, but it might have been that they got a few jo- yards on the last drive. But I'm pretty sure they were negative six yards from scrimmage in the first half at yeah, one took point. Them until the very last drive, I think, to get the positive yeah. yards. It was just yeah. super stuff. And, uh, yeah, look, very, very disappointing end to the season. After such a such a promising strong start, it just really shit the bed at the end. So disappointing, but there's always yeah. next decade. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think this week really separated the contenders from the pretenders. Really, like no one, mm. none of the big names that were like who we thought were going to go through got knocked out. I mean, people might argue Dallas, but I think you know, the 49ers were a team that was probably set up well and even with. That was really paying attention. Coming into their stride too. They were, they were coming in, yeah, exactly. I think even the fact that they lost um, Nick Bosa and who else? One of the other, um, Fred Warner went down, I think, as Fred well. Warner, and they yeah. still were able to close out the game with um, Dallas trying to, you know, come home. It really showed the strength of that team. And I think they have that real, like, the whole organization's works as one and they're, they're, they've come strong. So they're going to be an interesting team to see the Packers play this week. All right, so let's let's make our picks in. We've got the four games, obviously. Bengals, Titans. Let's go. Take your pick. This is the funnest one, and you're going to run with it first. Well, it's the um, first one on the on the slate. So <laughs> yeah, I think that I'm going to go hot and say the Bengals are going to go through. I like it. I actually think I like the Bengals. I'm on their bandwagon now, Peter. Yeah. Uh, um, fuck. You've done, you've put the pressure <laughs> on me here, like. Early swear word for he those pretty, uh, playing at home. <laughs> he pretty much has to pick the Titans now. No, but I don't want to be the one that the sneaky Titans <laughs> at twelve and five taking the one seed. Love it. Come yeah, on, quick. come back. Come back to me. All right, forty nine is Packers. Let's go. Forty nine is Packers. Packers. Pointer, come yep. on. <laughs> You've got to pick one of these games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the Packers as well. I'll go Niners just for something different. I'll hate it, but I'll go it. Uh, Rams, Bucks. This is a real hard one, but I think that oh, this the Bucks. Disgusting. The Bucks defense is going to hassle Matt Stafford too much, and he's going to turn it over a bit. So Bucks. I'm going to say it's going to be the Rams, and it'll be a 49ers Rams. Oh, that's disgusting. How does that Point make up. you feel? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to very, 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 very,
I'm taking the box here. I've gone a couple of upsets. Bills Chiefs. This is actually the most fun game. And uh, <laughs> actually, the Forty Nineers Packers is a fun game, and the Rams Bucks is probably going to be a fun game. <laughs> yeah, they're all fun actually, yeah. except maybe the Packers might be too much. I don't know. Um, Bills. Oof, I like it. I'll go Chiefs just because I like the Chiefs. I like watching the Chiefs. Have you got uh, some oh, answers yeah. for these two, Peter? Yeah, I got um. I think I'm gonna have to take the Chiefs in this one, at home. Mm. Um, and then what's the other one that I have to do? The first one. Bengals Titans. Ah. Oh. Yeah, let's let's fall asleep here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> let's take the Titans. I mean, I want to take the Bengals, but I I'll be have to change it up. Kind of all three of us on the same. Have one. we heard anything about Derrick Henry? Is he back? Yeah, I think so, Pete. Pretty. Well, I'm assuming Pete, that. Yeah. I'm assuming that he's back in my pick. Is it uh, just pick the favourites, Pete? Is that how, yeah. how it's done? Or? No. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it worked out. I like it. All right. Let's rip into this rest of this episode. Ooh. Here we go. Beer review of the week. Was that a good one? Or? That was pretty nice. Yeah, beautiful. Felt good. So I got a nice little froth going too. But uh, look, beer review of the week. Ironbark Hill once again. Forgot to go and get some beers, but I've got some spares left over of these guys. I've just got one of each of their range, I'm pretty sure. Ironbark Hill Brewhouse. Summer Ale. While I take a sip here, Poet, do you want to talk us through the uh, the new ranking system we've got going here? Yeah, we're going to start off with the, the beer review big board. Um, it's sort of a concept of like we once we review the beer we give it a rating we might throw it up on the on the big board and um say moz rates this one as a, a early second round pick if if next week i rate one as an early second round pick we um we throw it to the the fans to make a decision and and reshuffle the order there there might even be a little bit of a you know a potential punishment but we don't have anything Oof. locked in stone there yet but so if anyone's got any ideas for that oh uh, sure are we going to punish the breweries or no, no, we're gonna punish like, <laughs> like if you if your beer gets beaten by my beer, uh, you yeah, get punished. Got to do a spicy tequila shot or something. Yeah, yeah something like that. If, if Ironbark Hill Brewery loses, um, yeah, we're gonna start a smear campaign against their company. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be pushing shit up Ironbark Hill. Oh, swinging a miss again. Yep. <laughs> right into the deets of this one. Got an ABV of three point five. Standard drinks of Juan. 375 mil can. Very uh, Charlie Brown, this can. Black with yellow zigzaggy stripes. I uh, don't know if you've ever seen Charlie Brown, the cartoon character. Uh, have, yes. Very, very similar, uh, except to kind of reverse the uh, thickness of the black and yellow stripes. It's more black than yellow, as opposed to more yellow than black on Charlie Brown. So, yeah, some facts for you. Um, look, first sip, still got that fruity, fruity taste. Uh, it's a summer ale, uh, so it's quite refreshing, but... Uh, Got a bit of a passion fruit flavour on this one, so it's still quite a little bit tropical. Um, not my cup of tea, once again. <laughs> uh, but I could I could drink it, but I wouldn't want more than two, I reckon. Uh, I've already drank half the can, so it's not that bad, but definitely not one of my favourites. Hang on, let me just have one more zip. Get a ranking and a, and a player. Are we, are we going with a, a stealer here with the, the black? Yeah, yellow? definitely a stealer. Uh, someone that kind of, you know... You could throw in your lineup every now and then, and you know, on a nice hot summer's day, I could drink this. But then, you know, on a shitty day when I need to run the ball, I probably wouldn't. So maybe it's Chase Claypool, yeah, sort like of player. Uh, so you're getting the pool in the summer, but you don't get it in the winter, right? That's it, mate. That's it. Spot on. You're exactly right, and it's a summer ale, so 
Uh, that, that actually works really well, and uh, it's got a little symbol on here, don't drink when you're pregnant, so that's that's interesting. Uh, whoever's ingesting their microphone. What are you doing, Pete? Pick-wise, let's go uh, mid-second for this. Like, you know, Chapes Claypool, probably, you know, who knows what his value is anymore. Can't sell him, can't buy him. But uh, let's say a mid-second for this one. 2.05 is what I'll call it. <laughs> mid-second. Not All bad. right, well, we'll just stick him up on the board along with uh, no who's one else. The, and, um, who's got the big board? Pete is uh, doing it. <laughs> Pete's got the big board? It's his idea, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume it's already up on his wall. Um, yeah, I, I wrote it in textile on, on my wall here. <laughs> his and wife, of course, hates it. kind of but, um, flip, flung it on there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, mid-second. Not super, actually, now that I think about it. More beer than super. All right. First segment of the week, we're going to look back at the year that was. Very, very early on in this uh, fantasy year, we had a look at a few players that we would like to stake our claim on early, and we call them our Kents, or my Kents for the year. I'm going to go back and quickly review uh, these players that we said were going to be our guys for the year. See if we were, you know, pretty good or <laughs> pretty average. And uh, look... I heard some rumours that I've cut my list shorter than what it is. <laughs> I definitely only had four players. You can go back and listen. But uh, how, how do we think we went, boys, on our Kents? How are you feeling about your list of, of superstars? Yours? Yeah, keep in mind um, my name today, guest free pass. So keep, give, give me a bit of a free pass on, on some of my less than good picks. There was one that turned out okay, but the rest of them were not spectacular. I mean, who'd have funk it, hey? Well, I suppose DJ Chark was one of your guys. Started off pretty well. Had yeah. some yards in these three games, a couple of touchdowns, and then, you know, goes down with an injury. You can't really... Uh, that That's your free pass, I guess. Yeah, that's my free pass. I mean, Jared Judy, another of my guys this year, thought he was going to be pretty good with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and he uh, he got, also got injured for five or six weeks at the start of the season there. But um, pretty disappointing after that. He really didn't have any games that you could start him in, I think I started him in one game in a, a, a random league that Moz and I were in and got zero points from him, so he's he was pr- pretty much a dud. Uh, do you want me to keep rolling? Yeah, yeah, keep rolling, mate. Yeah, rolling. Antonio Gibson, I was pretty hot on this year. A uh, bit more expecting them to sort of be a better team than they were. Um, the defense really didn't live up to what it had done the year before, which was probably where he didn't quite excel and and then at the end of the year they did seem to kind of turn it back to him and he, he he got a bit more work so I'm not totally disappointed with that pick I think as long as they can become a better team he's still got a little bit left in him he still looks like a good running back yeah he does definitely I won't disagree uh Cole Komet's gonna run straight into my my kids next year I think eventually he's gonna score some touchdowns like he had a heap of targets and Catches just um, just couldn't get in the end zone because um, old Jimmy Graham kept stealing him. And my worst call of all, Mike Davis, who was atrocious. Yeah, he was hard to own, that bloke. Yep. Uh, very, very hard. To, I should have tried to trade him to you or something because, yeah, just just horrendous. I think you could start him once maybe. But uh, it was like he would just have a good week on your bench because he just didn't want to risk it. Um, how many weeks of startable did he have? He was frustrating for me as well. I suppose he had a lot of uh, double-digit games to start the year, but after that, one, 1.8, 1.8. 
you can't start that. And minus point two in week eighteen, Jesus. How would you be? Quality game. Pointer, how are you feeling about your list here, mate? Oh yeah, I think I have some decent players here and, you know, some trash, but I've only got I've got one that I'm gonna say is real trash. Um uh, Justin Fields is another one borderline. He didn't finish that good of a quarterback in the season. Um, Why is it written on there as quarterback one? <laughs> he's got yeah. down there as quarterback one. Yeah. Quarterback one in his heart. Yeah. <laughs> For the names of Justin Fields. He's yeah, so one Justin Fields. So my, my um, first player was CeeDee Lamb. He ended up wide receiver 19. I think um, on the take there, that's probably a bit behind where I wasn't putting him in as my guy and finish as a as wide receiver 19. I expecting high... Uh, wide receiver one range of like one to six perhaps so I think that's a bit of a fall off uh, Marquise Callaway was my second one here and he finished wide receiver 43 I'm taking this as a as a good win that's up from you know the one wide receiver 100 and something yeah. last season so you get the little bump there for a player that was cheap that probably you could have started a few weeks um, potentially and that, I don't think I'd throw him in there to be to be a, um, a, a wide receiver one but more of a as a in that you know, startable range, which goes up to probably wide receiver five, which he's falling yeah. into. Chuck him in your Next flex on, on, a, yeah. on a good week, yeah. Yeah, we had probably, um, what, five or six good weeks. So. Yeah, Jalen Waddle was wide yeah, receiver 13. That's a, that's a hit for me. Michael Pittman, wide receiver 17. Um, improvement from his previous season. I think he had a somewhat all right season. Um, probably would have hoped for a little bit more from how, when he started the season, but... Yeah, he had a stretch where you could have sold him for a probably an early first, and yeah, yeah, yeah back to back weeks of like good, yeah. twenty-five points in a row, so that boosted him. And then you know, Najee the contract Harris RB three, that's <laughs> big tick in the win column. Um, and then my last one was Aaron Jones RB eleven. Um, <laughs> skipping just, over your tight end one. Uh, skipping over Tyler Croft, the Zoom Raider, who I had <laughs> ended up tying fifty six. That's a that's a big. Is 56 just like um, one catch that he had during the year or something? Like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, why did you have Tyler? Um, I don't even remember what happened with Tyler Croft. Oh, I was thinking it was just the, the Jets. You want to hear his stat line? I'll start off with something. Yeah, he had played nine games. Uh, had one touchdown. Yeah, a long of 26. Um, 173 yards. 16 receptions on 25 targets, so... I'll tell you what, that's actually better than I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, he had uh, a one, two... I oh, had a lot of games. Oh, yeah, he missed five games. Yeah, the tight end above him seven was Max Williams in terms of points. But Max well, Williams played five well. five games as well. So Yeah, yeah oofed. All right, well, look, swing and a miss, but uh, you, you've got a pretty good hit rate there, I reckon. Probably a bit over 50%. <laughs> nothing was... Yeah, nothing hit strong, though, I guess, apart from Najee and probably Waddle there that were, yeah. I would say... You were very happy with the where you probably drafted them for for their performance. Mm. I think in that range of um, the other couple of guys, like C. Lamb, you were drafting higher than the wide receiver nineteen. Um, mm. Michael Pittman probably was in that wide receiver seventeen to twenty range, I reckon. So that's sort of a push a bit. Aaron Jones, RB eleven, he was probably around there. Um, yeah, but I think that's some of them sort of lived up to expectation, but didn't exceed. Oh, you had Donald on your list? Oh. 
Yeah, I so I remember. I remember what. Uh, no, I remember what happens. So I'll, I'll talk it through it in a second. So here's mine. Uh, Joe Mixon RB4. That's pretty good. I think I was just looking at at the time ADP. I think it was you know third or fourth round pick, um, and he's turned on investment with the RB4 performance. So you know it wasn't a, a massive reach, but uh, yeah. Anyways, Amon and Brown was another one. Wide receiver 22. Really, really strong finish to the year. Um, we'll call that a go, I guess. Yeah, um, Mike Kosicki, tight end seven. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, I think, and a lot of people drafted him probably around this range, so it's kind of like on par. Uh, so we'll just call that a neutral. Jarvis Landry was a whiff. Wide receiver 55. Not a good year. Um, and even though he was pretty much the only major name left on the Browns, uh, still just couldn't get it done. Um, mm. Not many usable weeks. Towards the end of the year, he had probably one or two usable weeks after a really strong uh, five for five for 71 yards to start the year, but then just, yeah, nothing doing. A few games off as well. Through injury, so it's a bit disappointing, um, especially when you're expecting so much more from this Browns offense. Uh, and then, yeah, I think I, I said I was going to put Sam Darnold on there, but then I think one of the ballers put him as a my guy, so I was like, I'm not going to put him on there. But, um, yeah, look, he was quarterback 29. Started great. Right, if it, the season ended at week five, yep. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. You were cheering, but... Um, yeah, hopefully you got him early and then flipped him for something better <laughs> because, uh, yeah, he's really shot the bed at the end of the year with uh, after the injury and a couple of crappy games and who knows what's going to happen in Pantherland next year with Sam Darnold. So, yeah, we'll call it a mediocre year for old Seamos as well. But, um, look, a couple of, couple of names you've got to hit on. I think the Joe Mixon one was pretty good. He was probably sitting a bit further yeah. back and he came out and had a real solid season and that's what you want. You want to be able to have guys that you think are going to outperform their ADP, really. Mm. Um, he, and he definitely did that. I, I don't think coming in, there was a lot of hype around a lot of other guys. He probably was sitting anywhere from... Yeah, I'm actually 12, even I surprised. It, it felt like he was better than RB4. I would have <laughs> thought he was RB2. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the names in front of him, just pure volume, really, whereas Mixon was still, you know... I don't know, not on the field as much as you would hope, I guess. I don't know what his snap percentage was like, but Najee on yeah, the field, looking at a 90% PBR of the time PBR performance as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I'm happy with the Amon Ra one. I mean, where were you drafting him in a startup or a rookie draft late? Well, I think it was third in Sheep's one. So, uh, And then, you know, probably a waiver wire pickup in most leagues um, for him to be wide receiver 22. That's pretty bloody good. So mm. good return on investment in him if you could get him as well. So happy days. And, uh, yeah, look, we'll do it again next year and we'll see how we go. But, you know, a few swings, a few misses. All good. Happy days. Good fun. Yeah, sorry, my dog's crying, so I definitely, I just muted. Um, yeah, we came up good on the rookies, I think, better than the, some of these veterans. We probably watched too much rookie film, huh? <laughs> you could say that. Uh, speaking of which, we'll be getting, getting back into that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, some more rookie film watching, so stay tuned for that. Um, let's move on to our, our next main segment. Uh, look, we've, we've spent a bit of time having a look at the last few years of um, rookie performances, just the rookie per- year themselves. Uh, going back, have a look at all the wide receivers, the running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks all of these skill positions, see if we can find any outliers in terms of high performance for a, a rookie year or a low performance for a rookie year and, you know, look at their relevance now and um, seeing if these new new crop of rookies uh, are going to be relevant in the future or maybe it's time to move on from some old guys and some new guys and, uh, and see what we can do with them, look at their performance against each other, kind of rank the 2018 through the 2021 skill position players see what we can extract from that so it's been a fair bit of time collating some data looking at total points looking at fantasy points per game 
Uh, I, I kind of had a little focus on on the yards and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff for the wide receivers, tight ends, and uh, and running backs. But um, what did you guys uh, have a have a have a look through all this data? What did you what did you think? I think there's like the the obvious thing is just pretty much if if your player hits in in the first year, it's a great sign, and um, it's usually especially from a running back perspective, fairly easy to predict that. Um, so I don't think there's there's too much, I guess, actionable out of um, the really high performers. I think it probably starts to get more interesting in those guys that are sort of had flashes here and there in their rookie season or maybe like a, a solid year but not a great year. So that there'll be a few talking points on players like Devontae Smith and, and that kind of thing or I'm on run St. Brown or Elijah Moore and where do they fit against um, guys who've already been through that and uh, now they've got a few more years of data and then what have they done since then? Poito, what did your first impressions come back from all of this information that we've got here? I think it's more to be like how I look at it is say... Elijah Moore is a good example because he fits sort of in that sort of middle, right? He had a couple of games where if you look at him at a total season standpoint, he sits around, you know, a Marquise Brown between a Court and Sutton rookie year, right? And those two had semi decent. You weren't disappointed with their rookie seasons and then how they've projected to be now. And I think then if you look at him also from a points per game basis, he shoots up a lot higher to more of like, if I look at it, it's probably around a, an AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley level year if he, if he was to have sustained that over a whole season so it just gives me a bit of a feel of for him there's some value in his in the points he scored but it's like I guess this data we have there's not too many going the other way like these guys that sort of have a, a good rookie season and fall off a cliff they're less hard like to find a reason from it's more the guys that are sort of middling are they something that can reappear as good or are they going to reappear like regress the next season mm. like if, if we look back another good example to talk about is like Dante Pettis had a better rookie season than Michael Pitt mm-hmm. um, and Rondell Moore's around that point there he's actually slightly better so um, it gives you a, a feel of like I guess there's an extra game for, for Moore there but like Pettis just fell off a cliff right but some of these mm-hmm. guys can have a slower season and you know I guess improve going forward it's just about what's the situation and I guess that's the part of the assessment that numbers don't have is uh, what was there any extra reason for the targets or were they part of a good offense that was really using the player or are they part of a bad offense that had no one else to throw the ball to it's a bit of the context for it I think one of the things you might be able to pick up if you look a bit deeper into the numbers as well so Dante Pettis is your example there he did have a pretty decent uh, points per game, right, compared to the the players in the same sort of range as him, say, like your Rondell Moores and your Michael Pittmans. But he did that on 20 less targets. So mm. that's like a bit of a, a flag. And, and Miko Hardman's similar, like had a, a similar kind of uh, target share. And he, he, where, where you're only getting 40 targets in your rookie year, that's um, I think you want that threshold to be a bit higher to sort of indicate sustained performance versus somebody who's just um, yeah I think if yeah, we flashed. stick with oh sorry stick with wide receivers for a little while and you have a look at this kind of the top guys um, 2021 those top guys who were taking Chase Waddle 
uh, Devontae Smith, Chase and Waddle. That's a that's an outstanding. They're number one and number three in terms of uh, rankings over the last four years of, of rookie wide receivers. Um, target wise, Waddle's the leader by a mile. 140 targets. Uh, it's a record. 104 receptions. That's that's immense. Um, whether you can see that volume continuing, there's going to be some changes in the offense next year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that that kind of volume, 140 targets for Waddle? Do you see it being sustainable, or do you think mm, there's going to be some change here? I think even if it drops, I, I'm expecting probably maybe the quality of them increases a little bit. Maybe it's not so much just give him the ball, see what he does every single time. Maybe he gets a few more downfield targets. So I think if it's dropping... I'm, that's because the offense as a whole is is getting better because there's another target in there. Yeah, another thing I that that stands out. I was looking at fantasy points per game um, throughout this entire process. We look at Elijah Moore up at twelve fantasy points per game. If you were to rank that, that's in kind of the, the top ten. And then Kadarius Tony was nine point two fantasy points per game. He only had uh, nine starts, but um, we saw a fair few flashes from him. Uh, if he could, you know, stay on the field and they make some changes in that offense. Maybe he's a kind of like a buy low or, you know, maybe some people have kind of forgotten about him. Um, but that's kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of lower on the rankings than what he probably projects uh, in terms of what he can do per game. So um, I think if what I've taken just from wide receivers here, there's a few buy lows and there's a few let's let's sell these guys when you can um, and see what you can get for him. But Kadarius Tony for me is definitely a buy low. Um Anything else you guys took from the wide receiver land? Oh, I'd be yeah. trying to get rid of Terrace Marshall as soon as possible. <laughs> he sort of sits to me in this from this thing as like he had an opportunity with not not necessarily a ton of receivers around him, but he, he sort of sits in that Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell sort of feel. Um, and I think you know, DJ Chark, points-wise, he had a low first rookie season, but he sort of that's probably I'm just not too sure that I'm happy to say that I'd be wanting to keep Terrace Marshall any longer I think he's sort of a slower performance his rookie if I get anything for him uh, I'll be happy with it but if he has a couple of good games I'd be someone that I'm trying to be on the back of trying to sell I think most receivers you sort of see them do something of value in their first year if they're, if they're a good enough player right but and what we normally see with these trends of guys is the ones aren't good they just don't appear early on and then that coach doesn't put him in the field any time to improve or get any game time. It just doesn't get any better with time. You can't just hope and wait. It needs to see some sort of commitment and proof to the coach that you can do it in the first year. So without injury, he's someone that's a bit worrying for me. I noticed, um, actually, there's a there's a notable omission for me. It's uh, one of my favourite players to talk about. Brian Edwards wasn't on this list. Yeah, I wonder um, why. Yeah, well, I actually just looked at his rookie stats. He he had 11 receptions on 15 targets for 193 yards. I don't know. I still don't understand the hype. And we said just while we were doing this, we're like, oh, we'll put some notable players from either their rookie year or since their rookie year. Uh, yeah, so that's why he's not on here because it's just not of any note to either of us. Um, yeah, Terrace Marshall's an interesting one. Just obviously he had some injuries throughout the year. Um, nothing major, but enough to put him out for a lot of the games. I'm still not... I don't know. I'm kind of like on the fence with him still. The games where he did kind of have over 70% of the snaps, he still didn't do anything. Um, you know, three to five 
receptions, or sorry, targets was his kind of maximum. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of write the narrative. Um, you're going to obviously hope for some improvement in that team next year. But once again, until they address quarterback and they get him on the field more, you're just going to, you know, you're not going to be happy with two for two for 16 yards, are you? So, um, yeah, you might be right on, on the sell now, even though I drafted him in the second round last week. Yeah, I think we, if you look back at his college, he didn't have that 1,000-yard receiving season, if I remember correctly. I'm, I might double-check it, but like he, the type of player that he was, he, he hadn't really had that... He'd been on a good offense and had some production, but hadn't had that elite level of like just consistent production of being the alpha. And then I think that's when maybe coming here, he's he's a, playing that same sort of role he had in college, which at the NFL level, he's not going to get as much volume as a third wide receiver on a team. He's got two other guys, DJ Moore... Robbie Anderson ahead of him that are both, you know, proven themselves at the, the top. Hmm. Um, yeah, he didn't it's, anywhere it's, near it's, it. Seven hundred and thirty was his highest yards. But yeah, he was, he was really reliant on touchdowns. He had thirteen and ten touchdowns. Yeah, so he's he's, I mean, there's an opportunity for him to improve, but he sort of like fits in that category of guys that sort of you might hold on for longer than you you should have. And if I think sometimes for me it's something that I look back at is you hold on to them for a reason, and someone offers you like a third, and you're like, don't take it, and then you drop him a month mm. or two later. like, And it's like, oh, if I had a real true assessment of where I thought he could be, maybe mm. I might have taken that offer. But I guess it's up to what you're willing to risk for him. Like, if he does come good, are you willing to say, oh, well, I got a third one, maybe now I could have got a, a first. But it's, I think it's a big way for him to move to be in that first range in a trade. So, I mean, he was pretty much a third of what Jalen Rager did in his rookie season. And Jalen Rake is basically worthless now. Like, uh, like he really hasn't done anything and he's done even less. I think that's it's a huge red flag. And, and when we were talking about targets before, what did he have, like 30 targets this year? That's DJ Chark is probably the only success story that has something similar. And it is very similar, his rookie year, 14 14 catches on 32 targets for 174 yards and then later he went on to break out and I guess there's like a narrative you could write that he's also on a bad team and maybe a new quarterback coming in something changes for him they start looking towards the future a bit more but like this was the season they lost Christian McCaffrey like everything fell the way of get your rookies involved and he still wasn't involved so I think that speaks a fair bit about him yeah, I'd like to know how serious or how much he was hampered by his foot injury. Um, he's well, he had a few injuries, so I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Look, what I'm, what you can also see from this is you know these players that are not really hitting on that first year. So if you look, Dante Pettis, uh, Jalen Rager, obviously Ruggs, <laughs> a trouble thing nowadays. Uh, Harry Campbell, Marshall, Chark's the only one that's actually broken out since you know only putting up two fantasy points in his first year. Uh, so if you've if they've not put out any decent performances in that first year, do you really think that they're going to improve that second, third, fourth year? I mean, there's not many examples where they have, right? Uh, there's not many guys here that you would start every single week apart from, in say, say, these back kind of 10, 15 players, apart from maybe Michael Pittman. You hope for some Michael Gallup breakout next year if he moves his situation. But, you know, Anthony Miller, Christian Kirk, Mikko Hardman, they're kind of all that middling first, uh, sorry, middling uh, performances in or rankings in these wide receivers. You can't start them every week. Where if you look towards the top of the list, you've got guys that put out good numbers in that first year. You're going to start them every week now, right? So I think if they haven't hit in that first year, start to move them on. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think agree. that's a pretty clear takeaway, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, one person we didn't really 
we, we sort of skimmed over him earlier, but Amon Ra had a he's up there fourth. Mm. Um, like that's yeah. pretty big, right? Mm. Whether it's you um, know just a, a situation based thing, he's the only wide receiver that can catch the ball, um, and then I'll injuries around him as well. Yeah, but in saying that, even if they add another single wide receiver, there's still only two <laughs> wide receivers that can catch a ball, <laughs> and then hopefully Hawkinson. But um, yeah, look, he had an outstanding end to the season, and that's why he's up at number four. I mean, yeah. 190 targets and 90 receptions, that's a good catch rate. Um, how many touchdowns did he have? Was he kind of helped up a little bit by touchdowns? No, only five. So, yeah. It's, it's a, a long way down this list to find someone that, um, from the top end, if you work your way down, to find someone that isn't a fantasy start at the moment, right? Mm. Um, like, of the previous season's rookies. Like, so that's what it just confirms that. Brandon A is probably yeah. the closest, and even he's still usable. So, yeah. You're probably looking at then Chanel. LaVisca Chanel, yeah. LaVisca yeah. Chanel would be the one that I'd... Yeah, you wouldn't want to start him every week. But they they are probably, like, sort of... Yeah, but you, maybe you're looking at that as more the floor yeah. of him rather than just a complete bust. I guess, yeah, a lot of my, my take is just, like, if this is what he is right now and people see him as this, sell him as this because I think mm. this is as high as his value will ever be. All right, let's move on to running backs. Um, look, hard to take much away from running back because I think when we look at it, draft position is actually semi-important here. Um, Philip Lindsay is our fourth-ranked rookie running back here. <laughs> And he is almost like, you know, he's changed teams. He was usable maybe one week this year. Uh, what did you guys take away from running backs? We'll start off with that. You, you want to start us off? Anything you noticed here? Or... Yeah, like I said, just those, you know, you look you look down the list. Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs. These are all the running backs that went in the first round. Mm. Um, and it's, it's no surprise. Like, if you're going to spend up as a team on a running back, which is not a premium position they're just going to get chance after chance after chance to do something. Even like Clyde Edwards-Solaire has been relatively underwhelming. Mm-hmm. But they paid up for him. They made the call to get him. So they they just keep giving him the opportunity. So I don't think there's there's like a, a heap beyond just... If you got a first-round running back, it's a pretty safe bet. Like I, I'm not sure who... Maybe... Was Sony Michelle a first round running back? Yeah, it's about as or Rashad Penny possibly as well. He was a first round running back too. Yeah, yeah so there's a there's a few little injury stuff his career a bit. Yeah, but um, definitely like a first round running back is a pretty safe safe bet from looking at this last couple of years. How about old mate Damian Harris down the bottom here? <laughs> He only played two games, but uh, man, he's, he's he broke out a little bit this year. Pete, what did you take from this, mate? Your uh, your mate Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I think that just shows um, if guy gets opportunity year one, you got to roll with them straight away because they could disappear fairly quickly. Like I think Lindsay sort of stood out with a team that had a really good opportunity early on. He just gave that little bit of I don't know. It was a different runner. He, he used his speed and he was just a bit electric when he was playing, and it sort of. You know, dropped injuries and teams sort of... I think he just was a one-trick pony a little bit more than teams sort of figured out what they're doing with him. He can't catch the ball very well. They don't use him in the passing game. He just... They want to run him in a hole and hopefully he has space and the team just decide, don't give him a hole and 
sort of not much else he can do. Um, but I guess that's the thing. Like at one point um, we were talking about before was some of these guys, like the James Robinsons, the, the Philip Lindsays, the Elijah Mitchells, they sort of sit here and they sort of stand out. Ramonde, Ramondre is another one probably slightly as well. They, they were drafted late and I think like they, it's sort of a, a, a supporting factor to just late in your, in your rookie drafts to take some of these just running backs and, and stash them because you don't know if they're going to hit or not but if they do they're, they're fairly valuable in terms of the points they can provide to your team right that's it and it's something you as you said it just before we came on air as well like if you've got four, four fourth round picks and you know you pick three running backs and someone gets injured in front of them or you know they just have a good training camp and you know the, the, the running back in front of them doesn't or you know cops an injury I think, straight away you got the backup and you've got a usable player for a couple of years maybe yeah, I think what I tried to do this year and I had a, a little bit of success was um, one example is probably uh, obviously far out, what's his name? Elijah Mitchell, um, who I grabbed in the fourth round and I guess my process there is try and go after the team that doesn't have that established back mm. and and just take a few stabs at the cherry. So Another good team for that, and I'm just trying to see where he fell, Michael Carter, I was willing to to jump in on him because I could see an opportunity where he was going to get volume in his rookie year. And so I'm really willing to take him a little bit higher than, you know, maybe somebody gets picked a little bit higher, but they're stuck behind a stud, like a a Tony Pollard type or something like that. Mm -hmm. If he's stuck behind Zeke, it doesn't matter how good he is. He's not going to get in front of Zeke without an injury and that limits your upside because if you don't get that injury and that player's value doesn't change at all in that first season yeah like Chuba Hubbard right you're never going to get while CMC's healthy and there I mean obviously this year is a little bit of an exception but he's never going to surpass CMC right no he's not going to just steal the job from him so yeah Devin around him as well around um, Chuba Hubbard like hang on I'm just trying to find who went around Chuba Hubbard just for a bit of chat but of course I can't find him uh, Josh Palmer, wide receiver. Um, you'd probably rather take a shot on someone else. Chuba Hubbard went late in that Sheeps 2 uh, draft, actually, in comparison to Sheeps 1. Interesting. Uh, play on you, were you going to say something? I think someone reached pretty high to grab Chuba Hubbard from yeah, it might have been memory. Timmy. Yeah. Um, no, what was I going to say? I can't even remember now. But I guess looking through these numbers again, there's this this second sort of tier that all had about. 12 points per game and it's a lot of sort of similar players that didn't quite get the role but took over at one point Mm. or something like that or did get the role and weren't successful and I think maybe there's there's some kind of trend to be drawn there where it's like um someone like Javante Williams JK Dobbins who sort of were very successful in it but didn't get the workload required to jump into that next tier you can see a path for them moving up whereas Sony Michelle who got the workload but wasn't producing in that position has sort of slid back down so I think there's there's maybe a little bit of a something to to draw there that yeah I guess maybe Mark Carter who when he got the opportunity has been really successful go for it um maybe Chuba Hubbard who was really successful and then kind of fell off a cliff a bit later in the season. Maybe there's there's less there. 
and it's mostly the the older names that you can see this on Royce Freeman uh, is a pretty good example he, he had plenty of opportunity and just didn't do anything with it um, and I guess if if your running back's got a got an opportunity and hasn't done anything with it it's not a good sign I think is maybe my takeaway here all right, put anything else you took from this one, mate? Running backs, and we'll move on to tight ends. I'll move on to tight ends. Move on to tight ends. Now, tight ends is a, a really strange landscape, I think, over the last four years. We've seen some, you know, well, we've had some hype, I guess we'll call it, for a lot of tight ends. Uh, and then we look at the top two names on the list, and they're uh, pretty much the, the most recent tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Pat Frymuth, top of the list here. Um, Kyle Pitts. Obviously had a whole bunch of hype, put up over a thousand yards, only one touchdown. So you can almost say that this is kind of his, we'll say his floor <laughs> in terms of touchdowns. Um, yards, that's probably what you're going to hope for for the rest of his career. Pat Frymuth kind of exceeded a lot of expectations, um, almost went undrafted in a lot of places. But you look at names across the years that were supposed to put up big points. You look at guys like Cole Komet, there was a whole bunch of hype. His rookie year just did not, not much at all. Mike Kosicki, same thing. Rookie year did not much at all. So the major takeaway from this is that we had two tight ends at the top of this class in the 2021 season who have actually finally put up some points, um, which is good to see. And hopefully that's a trend going forward that maybe these tight ends, you could take a stab on, they actually get some, get some yards. But... Uh, that's the major takeaway here. They didn't put up, and no one really put up any numbers in their, their rookie career apart from those two. Thoughts on this, boys? Tight ends? I think just as a general comment, this receiver class last year was supposed to be pretty good. It had wide receiver one, three, and four over the last four years, and mm. tight end one and two. So there might have been something to that. Because um, it looks like maybe that's a a thing that you can point to as as well is that like when you've got this one really good option which Kyle Pitts definitely was and there was a lot of hype around him maybe it's just a sign that there could be someone else out there if there's they're just a bit hidden but I don't know if there's anything to that or not um just a a random thing I guess Pat Fryermuth is is a bit of a scary case in that you look at his touchdowns and it's it's a clear outlier in a in a rookie tight end. He's got I think Dallas got its second with four and he's got seven. So um there's a lot of room for that to regress in an uncertain situation as well. That maybe Yeah, that that's not a his points are inflated a bit by that I guess and it's it's maybe not as clear a gap between him and Noah Fant as it seems yeah I think Frymuth was kind of a, a product of of Big Ben not being able to throw the ball to the outside and just Frymuth was open over the middle I guess uh, a lot of coverage drawn to Jontae Johnson and Chase Claypool in the end zone as well um, change in offense obviously if, if Big Ben goes this is possibly his ceiling so maybe even a sell high kind of candidate and a tight end Premier League some people might be trying to come and get him um who knows what's going to happen when you two. It's hard for tight ends because a lot of the time they say, oh, you know, it takes them a couple of years to break out. Well, there's a couple of examples here where we think it would still be a couple of years to break out. Noah Fant's a good example. Everyone's still waiting for the big, big Noah Fant breakout. Um, Pete, what did you take from tight end land here? I think uh, the two pits and Frymouth are real big for me. Like, they're a good chunk above the rest um, in terms of production. I think 
if you look at Fryer he's got a lot of touchdowns and that could be something that regresses without um, Big Ben being the quarterback there. But I think often new quarterbacks still find ways to use a tight end. And I think the fact that found ways to get him on the field is an uh, indication of how the Steelers will want to use him. I think they, they're they a team that I think builds a lot around trust and he was able to provide that first season and, and really reap the benefits of it. I think if you got him, I don't think I'd have been expecting that well good of production, 150 fantasy points um, from him in one. And I think he's got the opportunity to sort of appear around the same or a bit more higher in year two, which you'll be happy with. And then the opportunity to grow further year three, year four, um, where we really see the guys really take off. I think if you look at the next level down, it's Noah Fan and Mark Andrews. And the fact that how much they've, I mean, we use Noah Fan as a bad example. He sort of stagnated a bit. But Mark Andrews was like, had a super year this year and it's what four years later uh, what you can sort of see so I think it just holds you in the position of saying was my tight end any good or not um, you're pretty happy with your Kyle Pitts and your Pat Fryer moves to, to hold them especially in Dynasty I don't think neither of them are looking to be a sell for me and I think it's a lot of you need to be patient with your tight ends right um, we're still looking at Mark Andrews with a 2018 rookie year just put up what uh, 107 total points as opposed to Kyle Pitts 176 took him a couple of years to break out uh, Dallas got it same thing he's getting the targets now in, in Philly and it's pretty much their only option Dawson Knox is another one that kind of stood out to me as well didn't have that stellar rookie year had a couple of touchdowns few targets did a little bit with him but you know once again it's two years later and he's finally doing some stuff so you could possibly see the same thing we're in Cole Komet territory that this year could be his year if Dawson Knox is 2019 Cole Komet's 2020 now um, and he's getting that volume so you could potentially see him as a breakout for 2022 so yeah it's just I think you've got to be patient you can't expect these guys to just be studs straight away and that's what everyone says with tight ends but the fact that Kyle Pitts and Frymuth actually broke out in their rookie year potentially that's a long term solution for a tight end position if you're really really battling so um I'll just add one more thing. So just on, looking at the uh, that group that you were sort of talking about just there, um, you got a couple of players in their rookie year who had that sort of 40-ish to 50-ish target range. So you're Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, um, Dawson Knox, all with um, 40 to 50 targets. And the, the other names that sort of fall in there are your Irv Smith Jr., who's... Um, maybe everyone's forgotten about yeah. as he's missed pretty much two seasons in a row um, or one and a half seasons I, I can't remember maybe he did play the full first year um, and then Cole Komet yeah, is, is the other name I think the targets have been there for the for Cole Komet um, he's clearly got a bit of a um, connection with his, his quarterback and maybe it's a chance for the Bears offense to take a step forward this year and, and if that happens that's when you start to see it, but I think maybe the one thing that is important is that Dawson Knox and Mark Andrews on this list are in uh, two good offences that can mm. score points, so I think that's pretty important to a tight end, and yeah, unless you can see that, the only other name there that sort of stood out was or oh, two, Harrison Bryant who had 38 targets, and, and Tommy Tremble, who had 35. I think Tommy Tremble's kind of interesting because he sort of had a low-key, decent... Um, like, nothing special, but just got a bit of volume, more than I expected in the Jets. Um, got a bit of use in the in the run game as well. 
Um, I think he had a touchdown that way too. And um, yeah, he's he's maybe just... There's some sort of usage thresholds that I can see here from tight ends that have gone on to be something and he's starting to push those mm-hmm. with Mike Gusecki and um, yeah, Dawson Knox kind of being the two either side of him. So possibly a, a target there as well. Yeah, keep an eye on their snap percentages as well. I mean, um, Brevin Jordan was a good example to me. Uh, started off the year, just wasn't on the field. Started to creep up towards the 40 50% snap marks and started to get some targets and touchdowns and things like that. Not not something that, you know, he hasn't put up huge numbers, but the snap percentage is now there, which means there can be some targets, and especially on a changing offense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a path there, by low kind of thing. Cole Komet, I just want to go back to him real quickly. If you, I think... The signs for him and the data suggest that he's potentially someone you need to go and get now mm-hmm. before he puts up a big year. So uh, I don't know if you said that. You kind of cut out on me for a little bit there. But uh, Cole Komet's definitely a buy now before he does anything next year, um, especially with this whole new coaching system that's going to come in here. Hopefully they can actually you know, learn to use... Um, in the red zone. And Justin Fields, yeah. And uh, <laughs> hopefully Jimmy Grandpa's gone. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think the, both of those guys were... Cole Komet has the opportunity to, to really just have that roadblock of Jimmy Graham gone and have it to himself, which should just boost. But I think if you talked about like Tommy Treble and Brevin Jordan, they're both very interesting about are they like uh, Brevin Jordan's a good opportunity example. He sort of got more as it went throughout the season and, and sort of got something for him. Nothing crazy. Like, you know, half the tight ends in the leagues for a touchdown any week. You're just going to pick mm. the right one, right? To get to seven or eight points. And that's sort of where he was capped. But, um, you want to see him be able to take some, and I think that's the part of it is that team doesn't have anything really set in stone anywhere at the moment. So can you rely on him to be the guy in three years' time because they could just ship him off if the new coach doesn't like him or whatever? Like, there's, Or is there the opportunity that there's no one else he might take it over? So it's that, that sort of the feel was, for it there. It's yeah, was he just know? roomies with uh, Davis Mills as well and, you know, kind of his safety blanket and, yeah. and so he, he got a bit of bit of love at the end of the season that's that's probably something to watch out for but I think it's that's enough to it's break that, out those will it's in that point of like well stuff. you, you watch them and hang them on your roster because mm. tight end is sort of that position that um, there's like realistically how many of the guys are, are the studs there's three or four maybe right um, there's a big difference every step it goes down the rung after that um, you need to be looking for some some dart throws at tight end instead of holding just some of these um, Kyle Rudolphs or those guys that just sort of don't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolphs of yesteryear, maybe, not current yeah, Kyle yeah. Rudolph, but that, that's not a tight end that would score three points or he might score 10 points if he catches a <laughs> touchdown. Um, you have to have the shots on some of these younger guys on your roster that maybe they do turn out to be the next Darren Waller or um, even another example, what was his name? Wazama this season had a had a big step up, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yep. All right, last thing we'll talk about, just real quickly, quarterbacks. I mean, you know, depending on where they're drafted, the 101's usually a pretty successful rookie year. Um, Kyler Baker, uh, even as, as bad as a year as Trevor Lawrence had, he's still ranked out, what, one, two, three, four, six best quarterback in rookies. Yeah. I think uh, also the, the 101 is guaranteed more, like, logically start Playing every game, one, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the points per... Points per game. Oh, yeah, points per season basis. I think the total mm, yeah. points basis, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's not a heap to take away here. It's just, you know, as much as we, we kind of 
say, you know, Mac Jones isn't a great quarterback. He's what ranked four, second in yards. Yeah. Good completion percentage at 67%. Um, that's the best completion percentage. Quite a few attempts, 521 attempts, 352. I mean, we'll take what you want from quarterbacks. Um, obviously, in a super flex league, if you get in that one, 101, you essentially just you know lock him in for the next, say, three or four years because all of those 101 positions are still useful. Uh, you know, maybe Baker is an exception because um, he kind of dropped off a cliff. So anything you took from quarterbacks here, take a shot on them late in a non-super flex league. I guess the other thing on Mac Jones is that he also played 17 games. So mm-hmm. when you look at that points per game, it's it's down, and there's a few below him that, like Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, 10 games, 12 games, 13 yeah, games, yeah, that that have all been much better on a points per game basis, and and that's the the scary thing for him about fantasy is that he's not, he doesn't have that monster ceiling that that others do every week. Like he might have those odd blow up games. But you don't, they're unexpected, like you don't really see them coming and, and I guess that makes them a little bit harder to predict as well because it's not even necessarily the good, you know, if you think the Patriots are going to win by 30 this week, that's probably actually not a good thing for Mac Jones, it makes it a bit hard to predict. I always just come back to the, to the with Mac Jones, I mean, everyone, yeah, every, they're going to say, you know, all of that kind of stuff that you just said, but man, he just played with just nuffies. Hey, wide receiver land was no stud. I mean, guys that in fantasy land, you weren't even taking shots on. They're just wave wire wonders, um, and he still put up a bloody good year. So I don't know if they if they upgrade him wide receiver land, then what can happen? Um, I think Mac Jones is that safe guy, right? He, he, yeah, he's going to get. He's not going to. He, he'd be. He's a good quarterback too, right? Like you yeah. know, he's not going to score you thirty points, but he can put up you know fifteen twenty points for you pretty much. And he's in not going to. He's, he's probably not going to judge you the, the seven or the, the five points on a terrible week just because the type of quarterback he is. So I think, yeah, he probably doesn't have the, the crazy ceiling, but he's he's got a high enough floor to be to be valuable, right? Yeah, there's One a few games, obviously, thought, where there's five points and six points, yeah. but mostly on average, you're looking at kind of 15 as he's, he's kind of stock standard. And that's, you know, for a quarterback two in a super flex league, it's kind of what you want every week, so... Sorry, I cut you it's off. This, oh, this, this points per game basis that I was going to bring back to is like a Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Like even who's the guy there that like stands out? Like, can Davis Mills have a better career than Zach Wilson? Like, I mean, if they, I think they're going to show a lot more time and. You know they're going to stick with Zach Wilson a lot more than they'll stick with Davis Mills in terms of their draft capital and how much they're spent on them. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Houston next year with Mills if they're going to stick with him or if they're going to, you know, vote him off like they did in Australian Idol. That's it's a definitely interesting spot because yeah he has um... Australian Idol. Just... I thought you would have I thought you would have enjoyed that one point. <laughs> Millsy. Um... I just I loved know. it. Pete just kept talking straight over the top of it like, like <laughs> just, it didn't happen. Didn't even, just... didn't even acknowledge it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> excited to talk about um, Davis Mills. I think the, knowing the Texans, they'll stuff it up and draft another quarterback that doesn't work out and Davis Mills will be like that. Um, Who's the quarterback on the really long contract that's sitting on the bench with a lot of money? Uh, Nick, Nick Foles? Yeah, so they'll probably name. trade him for Nick Foles. Oh, yeah. Some of ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I feel like... Mills probably deserves a bit of a shot in the league. He's shown that he, like like um, Mac Jones, is on a fairly not that great team. He had Brandon Cooks as the only real wide receiver and somehow mm. was able to sort of 
you know, keep them competitive and score points. They weren't getting blown out to none every week and they even had a couple of wins. So how can you look past him and say, this guy isn't worth investing in and, uh, or at least given the chance to play? Um, but I think, like Chris said, is right. They're probably in a position where they're going to want to shoot for the fence. So it doesn't surprise me if they will take another quarterback, but I don't necessarily think I'd put him in a better position than they do what they have there. Um, but I think Zach Wilson's interesting. Like, he sort of sits in that middle tier of guys that, um, I guess, Dwayne Haskins is really the only guy on this oh. list that sort of what? fell off a cliff. Um, we did exclude Josh Rosen. Um, <laughs> but I guess, look, it's because he's shy. He didn't really. No one, no one cares about him. Yeah, it was easy cut. Uh, he was an easy cut. But I think that's was, the yeah. thing. Most of these guys will get, they're drafted high enough, they're going to get given opportunities for the first couple of seasons. It's how long can they... How yeah, Trey. Trey Lance down the bottom as well. Um, but if you you look at his points per game, they still look bad. But then if you look at his points per actual game that he played, they're they're a lot higher than that. I think they're closer to eighteen. So, um, he's probably more interesting than this list would make him seem. He's going to be super interesting after these next couple of games. Yep. Let me tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in 49ers land. But uh, Jimmy G certainly not uh, hurting his trade stock is he no putting, putting up wins against good teams so uh one thing i'll definitely say here is that you're gonna want to hope for some more touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. 12 touchdowns across 17 games as opposed to mac jones having 22 across his 17 um yeah look hopefully hopefully that's a good word hopefully you see uh some improvement in that team next year and uh you know for the 101 in a lot of super flex leagues uh, so far it's been pretty disappointing Let's see what happens with the new coaching staff and maybe some changes in free agency. But uh, So my mic hand is uh, DJ Chark actually looks pretty good now. He had nearly 20% of his touchdowns in <laughs> three games. <laughs> yeah, right, we'll call it a hit then. <laughs> As I said, injury, you can't predict it. But yeah, look, good fun. Um, that's an hour. Let's let's wrap it up there. If you want to um, look at all these stats and all of this information that we've got here, feel free to use up on the socials. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those kinds of things. Sheep Session Dynasty Podcast is where you find us. Next week, we're going to do game day or game night or game afternoon, whatever you want to call it. So um, we're going to look at, take a look back at the season that was 2021 and make some make some games, ask some questions, play a bit of, you know, this and that and go from there, boys. Anything else we want to add? Five-star review yeah. on uh, Spotify. That's a thing now. Yes. Plenty of you listening at the moment. Um, we're going to start our rookie analysis in a couple of weeks as well. So get ready for that. Uh, start to get you ready for next year. Obviously, it's it's very early days, but the, the draft's only a couple of months away. So we need to get all the information that we can into your earballs. So happy days. All right, boys. Yep. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah, ciao.